Hello, and welcome to the next Revelation Bible Adventure Podcast Study. That is quite the mouthful I've created. This is the seventh podcast study trying to dig deeper than just the print of the page looking for hidden gems and pearls of truth. Last last time a beautiful picture was painted of Christ returning in the clouds and coming with a great multitude, which was beautiful and terrifying depending on what side you stand on. This time, Jesus will tell us who he says he is. As always, this is Brad. And this is Scott. And this is not about us. All right, welcome back, listeners. Now, I must admit, during the last study... I had a lot of different emotions, and I felt a lot of passion. I had love for Jesus. I was awed in the thought of his coming back. I even had a little terror at the thought of those who are not saved and who must face his judgment. This time, I have a lot of my own personal ideas and opinions. I imagine I'll still be fairly passionate because that's just who I am. No. (laughs) But that's good. Because scripture is full of passion and strong emotions. Amen. So, with that being said, uh, we should probably start this one off on the right foot and invite the Spirit in here, so we might feel some of that passion today. Scott, would you lead us in prayer and invite the Spirit into the podcast study? Absolutely. And let me just say on that note... I had uh, a friend one time who said that uh, one of the reasons he didn't believe in God was that because uh, we're expected to believe that God has passion and emotion, and he thought if there was a God, he'd be beyond that. He would be passionless and emotionless, and uh, he'd just be uh, Spock, I guess, but he couldn't. He couldn't fathom a God who has emotions as being superior to us. And so, God, right now, I just want to thank you and praise you that you created us in your image and the emotional power uh, that, that just envelops us at times and overwhelms us is yours and it is from you the the joy the intense joy you are an emotional passionate god and i just want to thank you and praise you for the for the passion and the life that you have you have given to us and and even the sorrow god even the depths of your sorrow just understanding how much you hurt for us. None of us like it when negative emotions abound and the reasons for negative emotions abound. But I do appreciate you even more when that happens because I understand that you made us in your image and this is just a small taste of what you're feeling. Yes, hallelujah. But I thank you, God, and I thank you as the God of emotion and the God of passion and the God of, of joy and sorrow and, and anger and laughter. 
is indwelling us and seeking each and every one of us to live a life of, of pure passion and not just a dull, uh, pointless existence where we just sit around for eternity and stare at each other wondering what we're going to do next. So I just, God, I thank you for emotions. I thank you for life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Scott. In your Genesis podcast, that's something you've made me think about recently is maybe sometimes the reasons we have to go through the more, what we would consider the more negative emotions and and the more negative passions is because then we understand when we're feeling the positive ones, when we're feeling the love and the joy, it's because we do appreciate it even more. Yeah. We have the experience of now knowing what the bad was. Now we can appreciate the good even more. We're not going to take that for granted ever again. That's what I've been getting out of some of your Genesis studies. I definitely think that's a part of it. Now, as always, I appreciate starting this conversation off on the right foot. So the one this is really all about might lead the conversation towards the things of truth. Before each study, I do pray for guidance when I'm doing the study hoping that the Spirit will help me find things for our listeners to help them in their studies. But the things I find might still be skewed towards the things that interest me, because it's my study, and I'm interested in the things that I'm interested in. That's right. But, as always, if I share anything that doesn't feel like truth to you, the listener, then I would encourage you to toss it out. But if I do say something that sounds like truth to you, then I would recommend praying and studying on that because there might be something to it. Now, I know I mention this pretty much every single time, but I do feel it is important to always put the emphasis on God and to explain that all of this is just to bring Him glory and honor the best that we can. Another thing I want to mention real quick before we get into today's study is something that's kind of boggled my mind a little bit. Originally, when we started these podcast studies, even though, looking back, I probably should have known better. I thought I was going to be able to get multiple verses done in one study. <laughs> Maybe even a chapter in, a whole, in one study, right? Because I have done many Bible studies. And it seems like they get a whole chapter or section done together at the same time in a small period of time. And I just assumed that's what this would be. So far, though, I find myself spending a whole lot of time on just one verse in each podcast. Now, That's good. That's you. That's what's jumping out at you. That's what's grabbing your heart. That's what we want to hear. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. I'm totally okay with that, <laughs> especially if that's what the Spirit is wanting for me to do. I just want to beg for the patience of our listeners, because if you are really enjoying these podcasts... It's going to be many, many, <laughs> yeah. many podcasts at this current rate before this Revelation study is complete. And who knows, maybe the Lord will return before, <laughs> before I'm even done, and we can just experience it with Him anyway. Okay, this next podcast is very important because, oh, there's the trumpet. We're gone. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Peace out. Um, but I do feel it's important to do the study in this way, uh, not just for the listener's benefit, but 
also for my benefit, going slowly verse by verse, sometimes word by word, has been an amazing blessing to me. It's been an amazing adventure for me. I do pray it's been amazing for our listeners as well. It's been an amazing blessing to them as well. But this has really been important to me as an individual too and my relationship with God. So that being said, I'm excited. Um, I hope you guys are excited too. Um, oh, and, and, and I also hope that it's been a blessing to you, Scott. Oh, absolutely. And you know, on that note, it's like we kind of mentioned before, we just kind of ended up wanting to do Genesis and Revelation. Does that mean the Song of Solomon has no importance? Does that mean First Kings, Second uh, Samuel, uh, John, Romans, does that mean they have no importance? No, it's just where God led us right here. Everyone is a piece of the body. Everyone has a different thing to share. This is just our little piece right now. And like you said, going verse by verse, word by word at times may not be what someone else would do, but this is you and this is important. Uh, so absolutely, throw it at me. Throw it at all of us. Let's see what you got to give to us that we didn't consider before. Well, then let's get started. <laughs> So, if you're keeping up, we are on, we're going to be on Revelation uh, chapter 1, verse 8 today. I originally, once again, I had this study plan to do a couple verses, but I got to a point at the end of this one, I was like, nope, I'm good here, I like this. We'll get to, we'll let 9 have its own special <laughs> privilege next time. One of these days, you're going to do two verses in one time, <laughs> and it's going to throw us all off. Yes. <laughs> Luring you into a false sense of security. But anyway, Revelation 1.8, it says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Let's start with, I am Alpha and Omega, or as my Institute for Scripture Research Translation states, I am the Aleph and the Tav. Alpha and Omega is the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. Much like Aleph and Tav are the first and last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So basically in English, Jesus would be saying, I am the A and I am the Z. And now I have to embarrass myself. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> when I was a boy reading this for the first time, I, I did not understand that Alpha and Omega were, were alphabet letters. I thought here, remember, I was a boy. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought here that Jesus was basically saying, hey, I'm the big dog here. I'm the Alpha. You know, like, that an, makes alpha, sense. like an Alpha yeah. male boasting about how he's in charge. And, you know, you weren't wrong. Well... I agree. To a certain point, I'm not. It's not necessarily untrue. Jesus is the most important. He is the most powerful. He is the ultimate alpha. But he's not insecure. He doesn't need to tell you how awesome he is. What he's saying here is that he is at the beginning and the ending. Mm -hmm. And what's super important, and I'll discuss more here in a little bit, He's at the beginning of our origin, and he's at the end with us as well. Yeah. 
So he's just simply stating his credentials, some facts about himself. I'm the beginning and the ending. And I also think of this as the beginning, uh, that uh, internal east and west comparison that we have talked about in the Genesis study, trying to explain infinity or forever, as well as last time we talked about it in Revelation, trying to discuss whatever and ever could possibly mean. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to go into that too much here. But needless to say, Jesus was there at the beginning and will always be there, period. Yeah. Whether it's now, future, past, he's there. From a linear human perspective, this could also just be the simple truth that he was there at our creation, and he will be there with us at the ending of this history as we know it, when he returns to be judge and to make things function correctly again to make things good again. You know, the way I typed that, I'm kind of thinking of something interesting here, maybe. Jesus is our future and our history, but our history is being written right now. So what I just said is history. So that means Jesus was there when I said that, but he's also here right now helping us to write history. And of course, he's in my future, helping me to write history. Oh no, I'm going too big, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let me bring it back. <laughs> no, that is no. You're right. Uh, just the concept of uh, time, and we're locked in it, but he's not. Um, it can be mind-boggling to realize that Jesus. And you said this before. Uh, the history of the future, and I loved that phrase at the time thinking of it like we haven't lived it yet but to god it's already happened and it's done and it's secure it's in the bag right i i I picture it sometimes as i think other people have made kind of a similar comparison but um so this may not be an original thought but i think of it as literally as i'm talking right now the book of my life is being written Mm -hmm. now god can jump several chapters ahead because he knows what's going to happen but from my perspective, I can only look at the pages that have already been written, and I can read what's being written at this very moment. Yeah. So it's just an interesting thought that there's this perfect God being that loves me, and he can if he wants to, and he does, because he's there in that very moment anyway, but he can see what's going to happen soon. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's just, it is a mind-boggling way above my puny little human brain to figure out but above our pay grade (laughs) yes absolutely still kind of a cool thought that i just had um no that's what it's all about it is the pleasure of a king to uncover a thing this this that's digging in like this blows your mind and that's a good thing and it's been doing that kind of uh kind of all day i uh i had i had a good day going into this podcast. Um, most of this study I actually did today um, from about 8.30 this morning to about um, not quite 4 p.m. I had just one long conversation with God while I was doing this study. And I got to tell you, oh, it felt good. It always feels good to come back home and to talk to my father. But I'm getting off track. Let's, let's continue. 
Um, anyone who's been listening to the previous podcast know we kind of look at some of the words. We bring up some of the definitions. Um, this time I started with I and am. So the I am statement. I'm very interested in hearing what you have to say about this because um, as I've kind of mentioned in another podcast, I'm kind of dipping my feet into learning Hebrew and I've uncovered something very interesting. I want to share about this too. So uh, when, oh. when you're done, I want to see see where you're going with this. Don't judge me too harshly for my <laughs> upcoming Hebrew. <clears throat> well, like I said, I'm not fluent, neither of us are, but, but I, I am starting to learn Hebrew and I, I came across something interesting to me and just, just in learning Hebrew that I thought, oh, wow, I got to mention that to Brad well, on one of these podcasts. I like, want to hear it. That's right. And, and I, I, well, just throw this out there again real quick. Scott and I do these separate hoping that we can kind of surprise each other um, or at least bring up some conversation pieces when we get together. I, I, <laughs> I, I take a little bit of uh, your page in coming up here shortly with this I am statement. So All we'll right. actually be looking at some Hebrew. Oh, okay. Let's do it. Because as you know, most of mine is Revelation. It's New Testament. It's Greek. It's all Greek to me, but uh, <laughs> but um, there is a reason why I needed to go back to some Old Testament here shortly. Um, but so I, the first actual word that I looked at was I. So this is the I am statement. Um, the first word is I. It's Strong's Concordance in the Greek, 1473. And I imagine most of our readers, readers? Most of <laughs> I know. <laughs> I imagine most of our listeners have probably heard of an ego before. That's what this one is. It's uh, ego, and the definition is I, as in the first person pronoun. So, like I said, I assume our listeners have heard that before. I have an, some ideas I want to share about ego uh, in a moment, but first let's jump to the word am. That's Strong's Concordance 1510. And that one is I, me, I believe, which I find funny because it's am, I, me, I, me, <laughs> I, me, myself. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the definition is I exist or I am. Um, its usage is I am and exist. So I wanted to put those two together. I looked into the English definition of ego and uh, I'll just read it here. The I so this is not the eyeball, of course. This is the I or self of any person. A person as a thinking, feeling, and willing and distinguishing itself from the selves of others and from objects of its thought. So an I am statement, without going too philosophical, basically comes down to saying, I am a thinking, feeling, and willing individual and I am different than any other person or object in my own thoughts, and I do exist. So, by this statement, if Jesus is saying, I am, then I think there's a lot more weight than if you or I say, I am. Yeah. I mean, for starters, the only reason I can make an I am statement is because of God. I am because I am a creation of God. I exist because I am a creation of God. 
What follows is Jesus saying he has an internal existence, and Jesus is part of the first I am. The, to me, this was, this was, it, it got me a little sidetracked because I wanted to look into this. It got me curious. I wanted to know more about these I am statements from God. Which means we are going to look at some of the statements in other parts of Scripture. Because, like I said, this is how my brain slash the Holy Spirit is working on me right now. And I wanted to investigate that. So, listeners, please be patient with me as we investigate this now. And we will come back to Revelation very shortly. No, not patient. Go. <laughs> okay, I'll, just, I'll go really fast. All I right. do think that... No. <laughs> I do think it will be worth the side trip, though. Go for it. Go for it. The first We're with one, you. First one I want to look at is the first I am from God to Moses. Um, I'm going to. I will. I'm going to read a few things from Scripture. I will uh, tell you which version I'm reading from. But I'm just going to abbreviate it for time. This is the ISR translation. This is Exodus 3:14. And Elohim said to Moshe, "I am that which I am." And he said. Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So the I am that I am name that God uses here is how we get Yahweh. I am that I am is a common English translation of the Hebrew phrase, Ayi Ashar Ayi. Hope I got right. But it can also mean a few different things. It means I am who I am, I am what I am, I will become what I choose to become, I will be what I will be, I create what I create, or I am the existing one. Now the traditional English translation within Judaism favors I will be what I will be because there is no present tense of the verb to be in the Hebrew language. So Scott, I am that I am, I think I got the Hebrew pronunciation right on that one. What, what were you, do you have something that you... You just kind of hit it right there is what I've discovered is there is no present form of to be. Uh, and that, that made that statement, I am that I am, completely, it opened up in a new light to me because literally... I mean, in an English translation, if you know the literal translation, uh, is I that I. I. I mean, God was He wasn't the am in the present tense is implied. Now, when they say future tense and past tense, and again, this is me learning Hebrew, not fluent in Hebrew. This is this is from a recent study that I was being taught. To be has no present tense. I am has no present tense. You just say, I. So like, for example, if I said, I am Scott, uh, I would literally, the literal translation would just be me saying, I Scott. You know, if I said, I am uh, a basketball player, I would say, I basketball player. The literal translation, the am is implied, but not stated. And that just, it changed that verse for me. I am that I am. And he was literally, if, if that's correct, 
and unless there's a different translation or a different way of expressing this, because I haven't gone into the biblical side and, and researched that. I'm just, just getting this from this Hebrew study uh, where they're teaching me the language. If I am does not exist, it's just I, and the am is implied, then literally what God is saying is just I. And all the focus is I. Not even on the exist. And the existence is implied. I exist. I am. But literally, what, I mean, what God is saying is the entire emphasis is I. And that's it. And that just, it made that so much weightier for me. Does that make sense? No. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're, you're blowing my mind in my own study. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I. But you just said it, the 2B. And you, you just, so that's what I wanted to see if you came to the same conclusion, if your study, uh, uh, you said 2B, there is no present tense. You know, uh, so I am doesn't exist in Hebrew. I will be exists in Hebrew. I was exists in Hebrew, but not I am. It's just I. I that I. Okay, that's interesting. So it can also mean I am the existing one. But you, so you could say I, and just all the rest of that is implied. Yes, it is then, inferred. It is implied. The existence is intended to be meant by it. But literally what is being said is just I. Wow. And I thought that is like God saying, I, and stopping. It's like, that's what you need to see, me. And that's all. And that's where the emphasis should be. Yeah. It should be on him. That's what made that more powerful for me. Oh, wow, Scott. No. Oh, that's good. I like that. And, and in this case, and going back to Revelation, what you're just talking about here, uh, literally what he would be saying, again, I'm a student, you know, not a master at the language, uh, just learning what we're being taught here. Uh, so if someone out there is a master at the Hebrew language and you're going, no, you're wrong, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bow to your wisdom, I'll bow to your understanding. This is me learning. But he's, he's not saying, I am Alpha and Omega. He's saying, I, Alpha and Omega. The am is implied. You could almost do like yeah. I comma Alpha Omega right here. It, yeah. In one sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Okay, so let's keep that in <laughs> mind as I continue on with my I am yes. statements that I found, um, which now might change some of my thinking once we get there. Let's, well, again, there's so many things, like we've talked about before. Don't change what you're thinking because each piece well, it might is, add, could be just as accurate. It might add to it, though. Yeah, so exactly. I'm kind of anxious to look at my own notes now. <laughs> um, but uh, so I, anyway, I thought... That by in itself, before you mentioned anything, I thought what I had was pretty cool, um, looking into the uh, I am statement spoken. But I wanted to I wanted to really look into the one spoken by uh, Jesus. So yeah, I noticed that in John's gospel, there are seven I am statements that Jesus states, which that right there was interesting to me because as we have learned, seven is an important number. It's the number that signifies godly things it signifies god um in fact there are several sevens mentioned in the gospel of john and many more in revelation um i think 
that's just because John is super good at finding those connections between prophecy, Jesus, what is written in scripture, um, his own conclusions. I mean, he was basically digging deeper into truth long before we came around to try and do the same thing here, which is not bad considering he was the son of a fisherman. He was also remarkably close to Jesus. So to me, this shows that it does not matter what your position is in life. We can all have a relationship with Christ. We can all study and learn more about Christ. And we can all have that remarkable relationship with Christ. But I'm getting off track. Let's go back. <clears throat> off track is sometimes the best best part. <laughs> but keep going. That was a on purpose off track. There you go. I was trying to wink, wink at the <laughs> listeners and say, hey, if we can do this, if John, the son of a fisherman, can do it, you can do it too. Absolutely. But anyway, um, the first I am uh, that Jesus says, uh, that state he states in the Gospel of John, he says he is the bread of life. It's John 6, I'm reading 33 through 35, um, ISR. For the bread of Elohim is he who comes down out of the heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, Master, give us this bread always. And Yeshua said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not get hungry at all, and he who believes in me shall not get thirsty at all. I'm going to read these all. I got conclusions at the end. I'm going to move right into the next I am statement. Jesus says that he is the light of the world. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees just after the adulterous woman was brought to Jesus and he bent down to draw on the sand. Jesus just forgave the woman and the Pharisees come in to question him. It's John 8. I'm reading 8, 12 through 16. Now I'm switching to the Passion Translation, TPT, because I like a statement that's translated here. I'm going to share it to you here shortly. Then Jesus said, I am light to the world, and those who embrace me will experience life-giving light, and they will never walk in darkness. The Pharisees were immediately offended and said, You're just boasting about yourself. Since we only have your word on this, it makes your testimony invalid. Jesus responded, Just because I am the one making these claims doesn't mean they're invalid. For I absolutely know who I am, where I've come from, and where I'm going. But you Pharisees have no idea about what I'm saying. For you've set yourselves up as judges of others based on outward appearances. But I certainly never judge others in that way. For I discern the truth. And I am not alone in my judgments, for my Father and I have the same understanding in all things, and he has sent me to you. Oh, I love this translation for the simple fact. I absolutely know who I am. In my imagination of this encounter, I see Jesus just standing tall. In the passages before this, it mentions that he bent down and then he straightens back up twice. I imagine the Pharisees coming up to him thinking they are going to verbally beat him down. 
They think they have him. Repeatedly, you see the Pharisees trying to trap Jesus in a verbal trap, and every time, Jesus outsmarts them. In my imagination, I see Jesus bending down a little and then straightening up to his full height to answer them. For I absolutely know who I am. I agree. That's powerful. It's such power. It gives me goosebumps to think about the God of the universe telling me, telling you, that he knows absolutely everything, and you really don't know anything. Drops the mic. (laughs) Now, Jesus also mentioned that he is the light of the world and the recounting of the healing of the blind man. Uh, This is John 9, 1 through 7, back to the ISR. And passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his taught ones asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Yeshua answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of Elohim might be made manifest in him. It is necessary for me to work the works of him who sent me, while it is day. Night is coming, when no one is able to work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and applied the clay to the eyes of the blind man. He said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Shiloh. So he washed and he came back seeing. Two times in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, He is the light of the world. Now I know from my own studies that when the Bible repeats a theme, it's probably important. If Jesus himself says that he is the light of the world twice, then I think that must be especially important. The next Jesus I am statement, Jesus says he is the gate, or as my translation states, the door. Also, at the same time, Jesus says he is the good shepherd. It starts with John 10:1 ISR. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter through the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up by another way, that one is a thief and a robber. But he who enters through the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens for him, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out his and when he has brought out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, because they know his voice. And they shall by no means follow a stranger, but shall flee from him, because they do not know the voice of strangers. Yeshua used this figure of speech, but they did not know what he had been saying to them. Yeshua therefore said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Whoever enters through me, he shall be saved, and shall go in, and shall go out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, and to slaughter, and to destroy. I have come that you might possess life, and that you might possess it beyond measure. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But the hireling, and not being a shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. Now the hireling flees because he is a hireling and he is not concerned about the sheep. 
I am the good shepherd, and I know mine, and mine know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. I have to bring them as well, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one flock, one shepherd. Because of this, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to receive it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to receive it again. This command I have received from my Father. There was a lot there, but once again, he absolutely knows who he is. He knows that he what authority he has. You mentioned before, talking about God's not insecure. Uh, so you're right. Uh, he's not stating all of this for his own benefit. He's stating it for ours. He's saying it plainly. Uh, this is who I am, and this is what you need to understand. Well, and absolutely. And it's not just yeah. for them around that table with him. It's for you and me right now. It's for oh, our listeners. Exactly. Yeah. This, he laid down his life for them and for us and for every person that ever was mm-hmm. and will be. So, yeah. He's not repeating this because he needs to convince himself. No. He knows absolutely who he is. He's stating it for our benefit so we can be certain. And he's stating it to the ones who are choosing him. Mm-hmm. The Pharisees are not choosing him. Yep. So he basically tells them, you know nothing. Yeah. But he's not going to give them that information because they're not choosing him. Mm-hmm. These are people who are choosing him and us right now can choose him. We can pick up this Bible and want to know who he is and learn more about him. So that's why we get to see this too. That's that's what I think is just amazing about this whole thing. Um, I've got I've got more. This is... To me, this was just really exciting. I hope this is good for everyone. Um, During the recounting of Jesus raising Lazarus, Jesus explains that he is the resurrection and he is the life. I started this one with John 11. It's 21 through 27, ISR. Martha then said to Yeshua, Master, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that Whatever you might ask of Elohim, Elohim shall give you. Yeshua said to her, Your brother shall rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Yeshua said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he shall live. And everyone that is living and believing in me shall never die at all. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Master, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of Elohim, who is coming into the world. In John 14, 1-7, Jesus explains a triple I am statement, one of the greatest statements ever. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I'm going back to the Passion Translation. Don't worry or surrender to your fear. For you believed in God, now trust and believe in me also. My Father's house has many dwelling places. If it were otherwise, I would tell you plainly, because I go to prepare a place for you to rest. And when everything is ready, I will come back and take you to myself, 
so that you will be where I am. And you already know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Master, we don't know where you're going, so how could we know the way there? Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. And from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. Now, the reason I chose this translation is because I found it interesting that it used the word union with Jesus. So what is being described there is that groom preparing a home for his bride, uh, for his bride-to-be, and eventually return to marry her and bring her back to her home and, her, and his father. We've discussed this before in other podcasts, but I just love that idea that our Savior, even right now, is preparing a special place for us. Yeah. And he's going to be returning to claim us as his, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Just, just love that. Next up is Jesus. <clears throat> Next up, uh, Jesus says he is the true vine. This is John 15, 1 through 5, but I'm going to continue reading this verse to 8. I am the, oh, and this is uh, the ISR again. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that bears no fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, so that it bears more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Stay in me, and I stay in you. As the branch is unable to bear fruit of itself, Unless it stays in the vine, so neither you, unless you stay in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who stays in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. Because without me, you are able to do not. If anyone does not stay in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you stay in me, and my words stay in you, you shall ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. In this my Father is esteemed, that you bear much fruit, and you shall be my taught ones. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Stay in my love. Stay in my love. Wow. It's easy to read that phrase and maybe miss how awesome that statement truly is. To stay in his love. Imagine what even a moment, a second of being in his love would be like. The God of the universe is in love with you. And he wants you to experience what that means. I just, all I got to say is wow. I don't really got much more on that one. But let's put that all together. God says that I am that I am, or I that I. (laughs) I that I, because the emphasis is on him. And I will be that I will be. The seven Jesus I am statements are, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. And then, in Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. A couple of notes I have on this one. 
One, it just intrigues me anytime that God introduces himself to me or to us. The world is full of all these misideas about God. The world creates different versions of God. So it intrigues me when I learn something new about him that was completely wrong. When God, when I actually just let God come in, sit down, and tell me who he is, to me, that's amazing. And that's what happened to me today. We get to see who he says he is and not who man wants him to be or who man says he is. He is, as usual, when he introduces himself to you, is much grander and much more wonderful and a little more terrifying than the idols of God we create in our heads. The statement above said he absolutely knows who he is. Presented here is the God of the universe. And it's been mentioned several times, he's not insecure. He's not telling you this because he needs to remind himself. He absolutely knows who he is. He knows all. He is powerful. He is pure. And what a delight in the fact that he wants to share who he is with anybody and everybody. He loves on a scale that we cannot even understand. He wants to share that love with us, and he wants us to share it with others. Once again, the statement above said he absolutely knows who he is, and he only has truth. He cannot lie. So when he tells us who he is, we can be sure he absolutely knows and he's absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. He states that he is the life multiple times. And this got me thinking, this is true on so many levels and probably so many more than we can't even understand. We only have life because of him. He is life and the opposite of that is death. If he is life, then he cannot be death. He provides a way for us to have life too. Not just this life, but the internal life. So many things can be unpacked just from that. He states he is the bread of life. Without him, we have nothing pure to sustain ourselves with. He provides the bread that sustains a good life for us. He states he is the light, and the light casts out all the darkness, even the things you and I do in the dark. He freely gives that light to us so we can shine it for others. He's not embarrassed. He's not insecure. We're the embarrassed ones. Mm -hmm. Some of the things I've done in my life, if they come into light, I'm going to be embarrassed. That's truth. He's not embarrassed. He is the door. He is the door that will lead us to ever and ever. Last time we talked about ever and ever and about how awesome that is. In Scott's podcast, we talked about going from how we left pleasure, but we're going to go back into pleasure. Ever and ever is pleasure beyond anything you can understand. And there's the door. He's the door. This should be our primary goal of everybody. You want to knock on that door and you want him to call you by name. You want him to know you. He is the good shepherd. He will not abandon us during times of struggles. When the wolves come, oh, and they will come, he will not leave us to them. He fights them off for us because we trust in him. We trust in him to do so, and so he will do it. He is the resurrection, and because of that, we get to be like him. We've mentioned it many times. Death 
Where is your sting? There is no sting. We can have eternal life in resurrected bodies that do not hurt and do not break. He is the true vine. And when we stay connected to him, we can produce good fruit for him and for each other. And that glorifies our Father. And finally, he is the way, the example of a good life and the way to our Father in heaven. He is the truth. He does not lie. And he will never back down from what is correct and right. He will defend you with all the power of that truth. I really liked that statement when I wrote it. <laughs> he will defend you with all the power of that truth. Yeah. And he is the life. We have life because of him. We have a resurrected eternity with him and because of him. And our life has purpose because of him. So that's who he is. Or at least that's a part, a very small part of who he is. But did you notice how much of that also incorporated us? That's who he is, but he wants to be a part of us. He wants us to be a part of him. How awesome is that? I hope people are excited. I am. It really should be overwhelming. Sometimes I think we have a tendency, especially those of us who just grew up in church, to go, yes, amen, hallelujah, good, good job, now let's move on. And instead of grasping it, the power and the overwhelming awesomeness, it's just kind of, well, religion. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. I'm actually... (laughs) I'm actually shaking. I'm so excited. This has been a good day. (laughs) And I know for those of you who aren't, you know, don't have the ability to watch Brad as as he speaks, as I do, he's continually just like, uh, uh, at best explanation, it's almost like he's exhausting himself. (laughs) He is passionate about this. He keeps speaking and like setting the microphone down, taking a breath and coming back and moving on. It's just, this is overwhelming. I can see it. Well, and it was exciting for me earlier, but there's something about now sharing that with people. Mm-hmm. That's the exciting part. I I know these things. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. It excites me when I learn them or when I say them again to myself. Mm-hmm. It excites me when I'm in conversation with God, but it really excites me to then share that with other people. It's and it all, should. It's all part of that yeah. love wants to be shared thing that yes. that you have mentioned before. Oh, and, you're not kidding. Yeah. But anyway, <clears throat> back on track, Brad. Uh, that's what I got from I am. I feel like I could probably go on forever just talking about God and his I am statements. But I'm, I am going to return to Revelation now. But I highly encourage before we do... I highly encourage our listeners, even now, right this moment, turn off this podcast, go ask God to introduce himself to you and let him tell you who he is. And maybe you'll see all this. You'll see why I'm excited. You'll see the passion. Respectful amount of time for people to turn off the podcast and go do that. (laughs) Okay, if you are still with us, then here we go. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha is Strong's Concordance 1. That makes sense. <laughs> it's uh, 
pronounced alpha, and it's the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Okay, as stated earlier, Jesus is giving an example of how he was the first at the beginning. Omega is Strong's Concordance 5598, and it's pronounced Omega. It is the last letter of the Greek alphabet, but something in the uh, in the, the word study, the word helper, in the New Testament, Omega is always used of the glorified Christ, referring to his absolute limit limitlessness to meet all the needs of finite, limited people. Now, I like this statement because Jesus is absolute limitlessness. That didn't sound like a word at first, but it is. Limitlessness. Jesus was translated earlier uh, as saying he absolutely knows who he is. And here we have a statement that he is absolute limitlessness. It is one of those things that my puny brain is not going to be able to completely understand, but I'm going to still have some fun trying to understand it. Absolute limitless power. And he created you, Scott. And he created me. And he created our listeners. He has absolute limitless power, and he decided to use that power to create us. Think about that. Wow. Yeah. All of that power, and for some reason he thought, I need a Scott in this universe. I need a Brad. I need a Stabler, which is the cat behind Scott right now. <laughs> he, he thought we needed to be here. If you ever, sometimes I feel very, very small. I look up at the sky and I realize how infinite and how far above me God is. And it's very easy for my mind to go, he could squash me like a bug. He could squash me like an atom. He, he's, the comparison is impossible. But then I remember things like this. All of that power, all of that potential, all that he is, even the stuff that we can't understand, even if we just look at the stuff we can understand, he's a powerful being capable of anything. And he thought for some reason there needed to be me in this universe. For some reason, there needed to be you in this universe. Feel small, because you are, but think about how special that is. He's so far above you, so far, but he still wanted you in this universe. That's all I got from that. Next up, I investigated the word beginning. You mind if I go back real quick? Go for it. Something that jumped out at me that you said earlier, um, and I've been saving this till you got on this subject, but it immediately struck me and blew my mind and, and made me see this in a way I hadn't hadn't seen it before. So I'm in agreement with you completely on Alpha and Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the uh, he's the he's the never had a start and will never end. He's limitless. But something you said, your little comment about uh, you grew up thinking he's the alpha, which means he's the big dog. 
And it suddenly hit me that he said, and he's the Omega. He's the last. And it just, I suddenly saw in that statement, because I, I, I always interpreted it that way. He's the first and the last. He, he encompasses everything is what that statement is saying. And I still agree with that, not denying that. But it suddenly hit me that he's saying, I am God, and I'm also the least. He made himself a servant for us. In that statement, I am Alpha and Omega. I am Aleph and Tav. I am A and the Z. I am the first and the last. It it just kind of hit me to say, I am Almighty God, and I am the least of you. That's that's all. That's beautiful. And that's who he is. That's just that's more of who he is. Yeah. And we've talked about it, so I won't talk about it much, but when he became the least, it wasn't like he was already on even ground with you and me. He was God. Mhm. And he had to come down, not to just our level, but also to go below us, to go beneath us. That sacrifice, and in your Genesis study, you painted some beautiful, but also kind of tragic Hebrew um, uh, word pictures. And there were some beautiful ones about him having to leave his mother and his father, the spirit and God, the father, mm-hmm. uh, to come here. And I saw a picture recently on uh, social media, and it was basically, you don't see God, but you see, you get the idea that God is speaking to Jesus. And he's opened a portal in the clouds, and you can see the earth, and he's saying, son, go get them. And I just, I just saw that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that simple little picture, they want us. <laughs> yeah. The father wants us. The son wants us. They want us. And they were willing to do whatever it would take to get us. Even stop being this awesome, powerful God and come down and be beneath us and be treated the way they, that Jesus was treated for us. Um, okay. Uh, the word beginning strong's concordance. Shouldn't you have begun here? (laughs) But um, bump. Okay. Sorry. Had to say it. Go on. And we're done. (laughs) Uh, beginning strong's concordance seven, four, six. Um, I'm going to try. It's a very small little word, but it's still frightening for some reason. I think it's just R K R K. And the definition is beginning and also origin. Uh, the, the word study here. Properly, RK, from the beginning in a temporal sense, i.e. the initial starting point. Figuratively, what comes first and therefore is chief or foremost, i.e. has the priority because ahead of the rest. So here we see... If Jesus states that he is the beginning, he has priority ahead of the rest, okay? The rest, in my opinion, could mean a number of different things. He has priority over any of the other gods or idols that we create. He has priority over any person or opinion. 
he has priority over any other of the heavenly body. Also, he should have priority in our lives because he came first. He is chief among us because he was the initial starting point. He is our origin. People have pondered, where do we come from? And right here in this little simple word study, you can find the answer. We came from Jesus. That is our origin. If you are still having a hard time understanding that, then I highly recommend, as I said earlier, you listen to the almost 20 podcasts that Scott has done so far on Genesis because he has a gift of painting Hebrew word pictures that can help us see that same conclusion. God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit at the beginning at our origin. Not their origin. They they just are. They just were. But at our origin. That is why God should be chief and he should have priority in our lives because he's been there with us from the beginning. And as we'll see later, coming up soon, he will be there with us at the ending. Which, that leads us into the next word I looked up, and it was ending. It's Strong's Concordance 5056. And I think this one's tell us. Definition, an end, usage, an end, an end to an event or issue, an end as in the principal end, the end, the aim, the purpose. And then also, interestingly enough, it can mean a tax. The word study here, uh, telos, properly, consummation, the end goal or purpose, such as closure with all of its results. Okay, so Jesus is the principal end and should be the aim and purpose of our lives. I get that. That is truth. But I find it intriguing what it says here in the word study. Consummation such as closure with all its results. With all its results. Now I'm thinking about results from endings. Think about the results that will come from the ending of this current existence, both personally in our own lives and on the grand sense of the events of Revelation. If I died tomorrow, what would be the results of my ending? Would they be good? Would I stand before my Creator in heaven and have him say, well done? And would I see the fruit of my results, or would my results not be so good? That is what I'm getting from this word study. These are not Obviously, I'm not going to be able to answer these questions. And when I thought about the events, the results of the events of Revelation at the ending, I I don't think I can see that now. Only God can fully understand that. As from our point of view, we cannot examine something that has not yet happened in our linear timeline. Yes, we can read Revelation, and we know that the absolute result is good. That is foreknowledge that was given to us from a God who loves us. But we cannot truly examine those results for ourselves quite yet. But still, I found that very interesting. Results from an ending. I don't know. You have anything on that, Scott? 
just throwing it at me right now, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is the fact that there will be an eternity beyond, uh, post-Armageddon, so to speak. Post uh, the final, uh, not just Armageddon, but the final destruction of, of evil and death and all of it, there will be results to the ending. The, the, the completion of this story will lead to uh, a, a good thing, a result from it. Uh, you have, if you have an experiment, if you have a project, if you have something, you have an end to that project, you have an end to an experiment, and the results happen. The results remain. Uh, we finished our task. Here's the result from it. Yeah. And, and I think we are going, yeah, with Jesus, he is the end. He is not just the end of the task. He's not just the end of time. But he is also the result that we get once that task, once the timeline, whatever it is, is complete. And we'll have all of eternity to know what those results are, which is a yeah. cool, cool thing because we know that... We will be the results part of them yeah yeah and last time we talked i I tried to understand what it meant when it said ever and ever because ever Uh pretty much states yeah that's it infinity yeah nothing beyond this well then there's another ever after that yeah infinity and infinity it's like (laughs) wait what (laughs) you know how how is that possible so here you have infinity and possibly another infinity on top of that to figure out what the results were like i said we're not i'm not going to be able to tell you right now what that means i just found that super interesting i'm all for self-examination i want to know what my personal results at my ending will be of course, I'm probably I'm going to have to wait until I end before I'll actually know. But keeping my eye my my eye on that goal might help me make better results. If that yeah. makes sense. So knowing that that there will be results from my ending now makes me go, oh, this test is being graded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that might actually help in my life. Maybe it'll help our listeners too. I don't know. Or maybe it'll help one person out there who's listening to this, and, and that will be worth it too. And even if it's just me that's that one person, awesome. Anyway, moving on. The next word that I looked into was saith. This is Strong's Concordance 3004. And this one made me chuckle a little bit. This is let go. <laughs> let go. Let go my ego. <laughs> Um, but the definition is to say usage. I say, speak, I mean, I mention, I tell. Also, I call, I name, especially in the past. I tell, I command. Now the word study for let go. This, okay. I found this super interesting. I find this all interesting, but this was even more interesting i find that very interesting (laughs) let go originally lay down to sleep used later of laying an argument to rest 
Oh. I.e., bringing a message to closure. Properly to say, or properly to speak, moving to a conclusion, bringing it to a closure, laying it to rest. Okay, so the first thing that jumped out at me from this word study was laying an argument to rest? This confused me. I did not realize I was arguing with God. I, I'm not arguing with God, am I? But the more I got to thinking about it, I realized something. Scripture says all men are in opposition to God. Even though I love God and I cherish God, my actions sometimes do not show that. Sometimes my actions are in opposition to what he wants from me and for my life. I do have times where I am in rebellion to God. Not as much when I'm working on my relationship with him. So, hint, hint. And it is easier to find my way back to him when I get momentarily lost. But the hard truth that I had to admit to myself in this study right here, right now, or right then anyway, is there are still times when I am in arguments with God. Not because of anything he has done, but because of my actions. I'm not perfect. I'll never claim to be. But think about that for a moment. If I or anyone who doubts that Jesus absolutely knows who he is, then when he says, I am the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, he is ending any potential argument to the contrary right there and right then. I love that picture right there. I am Alpha and Omega, case closed, God, signed God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No arguments possible. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. So now think back to all of those I am statements I mentioned earlier and add saith the Lord. And it's like he is ending any argument or debate about who he says he is. I am the way, the truth, and the life, saith the Lord. And with his absolute limitlessness, how can anyone argue anything else is truth? Yeah, that's, that's what I got from that. But it also says... The word study also says that saith means moving to a conclusion. So I cannot help but think how cool this conclusion is. The Almighty saying, I am the first and the last. I was with you at the beginning. I will be with you at the ending. That is an immensely powerful conclusion, at least to me. This verse continues, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. In verse 4 John called Jesus by the same title of which is, which was, and which is to come. Here he adds, comma, the Almighty. Now, I went straight into the word Almighty for this study because I have previously discussed which is and which was and which is to come in a previous podcast. But real quick, I will tell you this. Which is, from my perspective, this means that Jesus is right now, here with you and me. He is not some far away and indifferent God. He cares and he is here now, which was, I talked about this a little bit in this podcast that Jesus was our origin. He was there before us and with us from our start, our origin, which is to come. Oh, what a glorious day when Jesus comes again and we will get to see him in all his glory. And we will get to share in that glory. What a glorious day for us, but terrifying to those that deny him. 
For more on that, listen to my last podcast and listen to the picture I tried to paint. Now, John added the Almighty here. So I wanted to look that up. It's Strong's Concordance 3841. Definition. Oh, sorry. It's Pantocratori. I probably butchered that. I'm sorry. Pantocratori. And it means Almighty. Usage, ruler of all, ruler of the universe, the Almighty. Properly, it's Almighty, unrestricted power exercising absolute dominion. Okay, I think the amazing thing about this word is that we simply do not have any great way to summarize how powerful and awesome our Almighty really is. We talk about how powerful he is, and we talk about how awesome that is, and we talk about how he is so far above us in every way, but even if we used every word we have to describe him, it would still be lacking to properly explain him. From my perspective, it's like looking at something so beautiful and awesome, but just saying the words it is beautiful and awesome, it almost lessens it. God is so beyond our understanding. And yet we try to use the words that we have to describe him and his power and his presence. But compared to him, we just do not have any way. Earlier in this podcast, it was mentioned Jesus has absolute limitlessness limitlessness power. And now it's described as unrestricted power and exercising absolute dominion over everything. And now my mind is turning to mush, just trying to comprehend a God that for some reason wants a relationship with me, even with all of my defects and my cosmically low stature. Jesus the Almighty coming back for me and for Scott and for any who profess his name as God? Wow! I hope I'm explaining this to you correctly. It's wow. So that's kind of the majority of what I have from for this study here today before i go i'll just ask scott if you have any last thoughts opinions grievances (laughs) (laughs) had to throw grievances in there um no i what a what a great way to end that i you just kind of the almighty um um no i think uh overall this is this has been a good one uh for me anyway um what you kind of touched on right there at the end with Almighty, something you, you already mentioned before is just the fact that the Almighty God chose us. And uh, we mentioned before in other podcasts uh, about the importance of understanding how worthless you are. There's a value to looking up into the sky and going, I'm insignificant, I am nothing, and understanding we are not God and we are tiny and insignificant, but at the same time, how worthwhile you are, how, how, how much worth you have, we need to understand both. And I think you did a good job with just this verse of grabbing both of those uh, and so much more. Not so, only do you have worth, but you're worthy enough that he's coming back to claim you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I feel I feel 
like it's an impossible task sometimes in these studies to explain what I think about God mm-hmm. because I can't, I don't have the words. I can't do it justice. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is kind of like the, uh, the three-year-old coloring, uh, creating drawing a picture of the world around them that they see and they draw the little stick figure and the little goofy tree that doesn't really look like a tree but you know it's supposed to be and uh the little blob that's the neighbor's dog and 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 you're like this is wonderful and you mean it and you realize in their position they can't draw a masterful recreation of the universe around them and that's, that's, you mentioned there at the end, I don't have the words to express. I think God's like, I know, <laughs> but I love what you've got. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Now, real quick, before we end this one, I want to really thank our listeners. And kind of like I was just explaining when I was trying to describe God, I don't really have any great way or great words to use in describing how thankful we are for our listeners, other than the words, thank you. But what I do have in my arsenal is prayer. So on that note, Yahweh, Yeshua, Spirit. Hallelujah. I want to take time here at the ending of this podcast to ask for blessings and protection on our listeners. Oh, amen. Wherever they are, you are also there. So I ask for you to make yourself known to them and introduce who you really are to them. I ask that the blood of Yeshua to cover them from the crowns of their heads to the soles of their feet. And anything that they do that brings you glory I bless it, and I pray for its success. I also pray that they know that Scott and I are thankful for them, and we are thankful for their continuingness to bless us by listening and interacting with us. And as always, until next time, this has been Brad. And this has been Scott. And this has been Not About Us. <laughs>